0: give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in while living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said,
1: Thank you, it's uh, great to be with you today. The kids, uh, there's activity packs for the kids up the back if you'd like to grab one of those. We've got our family room as well and I'm okay with noise. I'll just uh, put the microphone a bit closer and uh, speak up. So let's uh, have a look at the question we are answering today or exploring today. Really, we're just getting started on some of these questions. And uh, today's question is, how do we balance righteousness and mercy in the church? Balance. Well, I got to go surfing the other day. I love surfing. Uh, I don't have any time for it these days, and uh, but with all the public holidays we've been having, um, I managed to go and have a surf. Thank you, Erin, for uh, making space for that to happen, to go down to the beach and get freezing cold in the water. And... Um, <clears throat> but uh, surfing requires a lot of balance, a huge amount of balance. Um, the, the professional surfers make it look really easy and smooth uh, and very effortless, but let me tell you, it is not. If you've tried surfing, you will know this. The normal thing to do when you're surfing is to fall off to the left or fall off to the right, or to nose dive and you go tumbling over the front, or the board slips out from under you and you go tumbling backwards. The normal thing is uh, to fall off. Balancing is incredibly difficult, and our question for today is another type of balancing, but perhaps even more difficult to do in some circumstances than surfing. Well, as Christians, we want to live for righteousness, live a godly life to honor God in our actions. We want to do the right thing. But we also want to be merciful and gracious and kind because we make mistakes. We all sin and none of us make perfect decisions all the time. Uh, In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So both of those things are essential, but actually very difficult to balance in reality. Because when we're pursuing righteousness, uh, right living, godly living, we start thinking seriously about some of the ethical conundrums that we face. You know, poor choices actually become a burden for us. We feel a stronger sense of shame and guilt. There's an urgency to avoid unhealthy lifestyles. Uh, And when we see that things are not okay, we really feel that these are not okay. If the world is getting trashed or if people are getting trashed, we don't just stand by and watch on carelessly. We actually want to live the fullness of life in Jesus and be striving to live the good and right life, but that striving can be so urgent. And sometimes we talk about uh, burning with a righteous anger even. Sometimes there's righteous anger, we can be burning with it. The problem is that righteousness can start tipping our hearts out of balance and it can prevent us from showing mercy. Uh, Sometimes burning with righteous anger burns people. That's the reality of it. Yet our God is a God of mercy and forgiveness and embrace, and so we are called to be people of mercy and forgiveness and embrace. Uh, yet it's also possible to fall over this way, on that side too, where everyone is just encouraged all the time uh, and shown grace and, and no one hears about what is actually just and righteous or even what is healthy. It's very easy to fall off one way or the other. In surfing language from the 80s, it's really easy to do a wipeout. Thank you to the 80s. Well, Jesus told us a story about two brothers. One fell off one way, and the other fell off the other way. Here's how the younger son gets it wrong. We heard the younger son said to his father, "Father, give me my share of the estate." So the father decided he divided his property between them. Now. Uh, The youngest son, he's taking his inheritance before his father dies. He's kind of just saying to his father, I want you dead so that I can get my money and go and spend it on myself. That's bad enough. But then, not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine, he began to be in need. He eyes himself out and he's feeding pigs and he wants to eat the pig food. So the younger son is he's, he's taking and taking and spending on himself. He lives for his own desires, his own pleasure. He does it based on the kindness and generosity and mercy from others. He has a wipeout on mercy with no righteousness. It's only when he hits uh, rock bottom that he sees the error of his ways. He makes a very humble attempt in desperate survival. He goes to offer himself as a servant to his father, knowing he doesn't deserve to be a son to his father after what he has done. He comes with great repentance. And of course, the glorious part of this story is the father's response that shows us God the Father's heart for each and every one of us when we fail. It says, But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet bring the fattened calf and kill it, let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. If you have forgotten the extravagance of God's love for you, please don't skip over this. Uh, If you have forgotten God's extravagant love for others who fail, please don't skip over this. We need to sit with this even more and really open ourselves up to the Father's love for us. God, our Father, is merciful. He doesn't pay us back as we deserve. It is amazing grace. It is costly grace. There is a cost involved. Uh, before we go on to look at the rest of the story, um, there are more ways to wipe out on mercy. Of course, the younger son could go on from here and keep partying. I mean, he's come home and he's got another party to go to. He could just keep on with this lifestyle and go, well, dad's got me covered. I'll just keep coming back. Uh, This would not be costly grace. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls this cheap grace. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who worked against the Nazi regime. He spoke up courageously against terrible sin that was going on around him. He was not okay with the church just offering out endless forgiveness to those who were committing atrocities. He spoke up against it. Uh, this is what he writes about cheap grace. Cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church. We are fighting today for costly grace. Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wares, The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin and the consolations of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessings with generous hands, without asking questions or fixing limits. Grace without price, grace without cost. The essence of grace, we suppose, is that the account has been paid in advance, and because it's been paid, everything can be had for nothing. In such a church, the world finds a cheap covering for its sins. No contrition is required, still less, any real desire to be delivered from sin. Grace without any real desire to be delivered from this sin is cheap grace. So cheap grace is all mercy and no righteousness. So that's one way. Uh, But the story of the two sons doesn't and there now there's a whole section after this about uh, the older brother who sees only righteousness without mercy it says meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music and dancing don't you love that when there's dancing in the bible uh, now <clears throat> you can already feel the atmosphere of this situation right he's sweaty from working out in the field he's been slogging it out all day um, presumably they've only got half the land that they used to have because the, the youngest son has taken some of the land, sold it off and, and wasted it. So they've got less land to work on. Things are less profitable for the family business. Everything's harder. And the oldest son is copping this cost. He's out there working for it. So he's tired, he's sweaty, he's hungry and thirsty. And then he hears, Like, can you feel it? He's like, what is going on? He calls one of the servants and uh, the servant says, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's in back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. He refuses the party. I'm not going to be a part of this because it's not okay. Then it says, so his father went out and pleaded with him. Did you notice the father goes out to both brothers? We, there's so many things in here that we miss because we just hear about the prodigal son, and we even call it the prodigal son, and we forget all about this conversation <laughs> about the older brother. There's two sons here, two very important things to be aware of, and the father goes out to both of them. Now, this, is going, this, this kind of offends all of us in one way. Like, if, we're, if we naturally tend towards mercy, we're going to be offended that the you know the father's going out to to the older son if we tend towards righteousness we're going to be offended that the father's going out to this you know the 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 prodigal son right this offends everyone my hope today is that i wipe out on this sermon and offend everyone <laughs> not really and yet even with the father coming out to him he is not happy The oldest son is not happy. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, don't you love that? It's not my brother. This son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him. So the older brother sees righteousness. And in a way, he's not wrong. Like, he doesn't say anything that's incorrect. And, like, fair enough. I think about my, my brother and, you know, and how that would be if I was in that situation. I'm like, whatever, I'm not going to that party. In a way, he is right. He feels the cost of living rightly. And the hard work that that involves, he feels the failure of his younger brother who has lived only for selfish pleasure. And he can see how unfair things are for him. But he's fixated, he's stuck on righteousness. And he has no room for mercy. And so the older brother has a wipeout on righteousness. Now the parable finishes with the father pleading, with the self-righteous oldest son. He said, my son, the father said, you are always with me. Notice what's important here. You are always presence. You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is frowned. The father cares about connection, being present together. Now it's a really interesting exercise a bit of homework for all of you is to go through a range of ethical topics so not just one I mean we'll all have our particular ethical topic that's you know top of mind or we might be facing but go through a range of ethical topics you never just go through the news and think about these things and think about this this story as a lens and how do you sit through this story with a range of ethical topics. Do you tend towards more the younger son or the older son? Uh, Have a think about through all of that stuff that we love to avoid talking about because it ruins a perfectly good dinner party. Now, this is gonna set off everyone's red flags here. Everyone's heart rate will go up a notch. That's okay and normal. These are sensitive uh, topics and personal topics for people. I'm not going to go into any of them, but have a think, do you want to see in all of these, do you want to see more mercy or more righteousness? You know, Where, where do you want to fall with these topics? So there's human sexuality, and that covers singleness, marriage, divorce, LGBTIQ+, Adolescence and sexual maturity, safety of children, and what's appropriate and when. There's a whole range of stuff there. But where do you think about righteousness and mercy? There's power and wealth. So that covers greed, uh, what healthy economics should be, unhealthy economics, inherited privilege, benefiting from slavery, pollution and waste, our impact on the environment and then there's matters of life and death which covers abortion, assisted dying, vaccines, drug and alcohol use and I can keep going but I think that's enough to get you started, that's enough to ruin Christmas lunch and Like, they're all political topics, right? But they're personal. They're personal. We face these things as individual followers of Jesus in the community context of the church. And so when I'm thinking about individual topics there, and I make choices, and when you make choices, we're all kind of impacted together. Because as Karen was talking about last week, we are community And when we think differently on some of these things, that's really challenging. Do I become an older brother? Am I actually the younger brother? Where do we sit on these things? And how do we deal as a community together to glorify God? So sometimes we do find ourselves as the older brother. Sometimes we do find ourselves as the younger brother. Sometimes you find yourself in some sort of leadership position or position of authority or just as a friend where people come to you and you have to deal with two brothers. How do you navigate what is going on there? Now, most of these things are really complicated and messy. But ethical dilemmas and conundrums and topics tough topics are not new to the church. Uh, The church has a long history of sometimes getting it right and sometimes getting it famously wrong. Uh, If we have a look at Galatians 6, at the start of Galatians 6, it has some really practical instructions for us uh, and there's lots of other places we can go to as well. But here it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin so there is such a thing as sin like sin is real there is righteousness right and wrong is real so if someone's caught in a sin you who live by the spirit should restore that person so the aim is restoration just like the father wanting to draw in the younger son and the older son the aim is restoration it's not always possible, but that's our aim. You know, their older brother didn't want it. Sometimes we can't, but that's the aim. So restore that person gently. Couldn't we all do with a little bit more gently in the world? <laughs> like some of these topics, the way they're talked about, when they're inflamed topics. People get angry very quickly. We could all do with a little more gently gently but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted carry each other's burden there's that connection language again carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ if anyone thinks they are something when they are not they deceive themselves each one should test their own actions we might think take the log out of your own eye as Jesus would say Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. The comparison game is a killer, for each one should carry their own load. So you've got to carry other people's burdens, but don't forget to carry your own load too. So, as followers of Jesus, we must have an urgency to live a godly life free of sin, with a desire for heavenly life on earth and we are to pursue that life with love and gentleness for others, knowing that our our growth in holiness uh, happens at different times for different people in different ways. But surfing this wave is a beautiful thing when it happens but we can't do it on our own. We have to be united in Christ Jesus. He's the only one that we can do it with. Uh, And we have to be not just connected to Jesus. We need to dwell completely in him, united in him and him in us. We need to be drenched in his love And our thoughts filled with the mind of Christ. We cannot do this on our own. Uh, If you do have further questions around this, I'm really scratching the service, honestly. Um, Please come and chat afterwards. Come to the 4pm service. We always do Q&A there. uh, And uh, we can keep talking about this one. Uh, But let me pray. Holy Spirit, fill your church with your presence. Those beautiful wide open arms of the Father running to us. Running out to the younger son and the oldest son alike. Holy Spirit, drench us in love. Your perfect love that balances righteousness and mercy, the fullness of righteousness and the fullness of mercy. Lead us in the way to do that together as a community, spurring on one another in love and good deeds, pursuing holiness as we are your temple, and doing that as we look to the cross of Jesus who paid the price for all our sin.